Good afternoon. Hello to everyone. Come on in. Come on in. Sit down. Have a seat. Grab a drink. I hope you grabbed a snack already because guess what? We are live. Good to see all of you here. Welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Fontleroy. So good to see all of you here on this beautiful afternoon of April 11, 2022. Just to let you guys know, the JB Font channel is available on all major podcast platforms. So go ahead and subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network. So you can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1. You can find me on RBN Live on Tuesdays at 4. And the Sabby and JB Show on Thursdays at 6. Also, Thank you so much to everyone who is a subscriber. We have more subscribers. Thank you so very much for joining in. And if you are new, then you also can subscribe as well, too. Also, thank you so much to all the patrons on Patreon Coffee as well as memberships. Thank you guys so much. I am overwhelmed with how much support that I'm getting. You guys have been the greatest, and I appreciate you guys so very much for all that you do on this channel i would not be able to do this without you guys so thank you thank you thank you so as per usual i would like to say thank you to all of you for joining as well as if you would like to get email notifications you guys can go to my substack at jbfont.substack.com you guys can actually get email notifications so that you guys will not miss my live streams or my clips that i upload uh, on a daily basis. So you guys can actually get into that as well because the YouTube uh, notifications aren't that reliable. So you guys can rely on me and get the word straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So thank you guys so very much for that. As per usual, I always typically go to, to the comments to say hello to all my people that are watching today, but I have a guest with me today. So I'll be getting to you guys in a little bit just after that. But I would like to introduce my guest coming from the Netherlands. We have Zeno April. Zeno, so good to see you. Hi. <laughs> good to see you too. Yeah. So what part of the Never Netherlands are you from, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, I'm from Frisia. I'm, I'm a Frisian. Uh, okay. The Frisians are, they're like the Scots of the Netherlands. Uh, we have our own language and our own uh, history and our own culture. We used to be an independent country. Oh, uh, and we were, for the longest time, we were in a kind of federation uh, with the rest of the Netherlands. But we generally maintained our own rulers and our own uh, autonomy. Mm -hmm. Only after 1815 uh, was, it, was it really integrated with the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And we, and we still have our own language. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, I, you know, a lot of us, especially here in the United States, we don't get educated that much on a lot of European countries. If we want to be more educated on it, uh, we have to uh, do it on our own time. Uh, and it always seems like people, especially from Europe, tend to know more about the United States than we know about European countries. Yeah. That there are so many European countries and so many European languages. It's, it's quite difficult to uh, to learn about them. Yeah, so it's understandable. I mean, well, I, I, mean, yeah. I don't know that much about Germany. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot about Germany that I still don't know that I'm still learning. Um, and uh, one of my comrades, Sabi Sabs, 
she uh, she used to live in Germany. Uh, she's kind of an army brat. So uh, she lived in Germany for a little while and she would talk about, you know, her years limited in Germany. So, yeah, I, I've never been outside the United States. I would love to travel, but I haven't been able to do that. So, but part of it's because I'm broke, so I can't do it. So. I don't even have a bank account. Oh, <laughs> wow. But you got free healthcare, <laughs> so that's kind of a trade-off, right? Well, I, it's like subsidized healthcare. They, oh, the insurance is, is paid by the government, at least the like the cheap level insurance. Oh, okay. And you I have see. to get insurance. Hmm? You have to get insurance. Oh, okay. Well, they, they have like so, so-called eigen risico payments which you have to make in order to teach you how to handle risks and uh, discourage dangerous activities. Uh, so up to a certain level, you have to pay everything yourself and only then the insurance kicks in. Wow, okay. I did so not know even that. though I, I've gone to the doctor multiple times in the last few years, I've never gotten any money from the insurance. I've only paid them more. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow, that's well. It's 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 better than in the U.S., but uh, it's not perfect. Yeah. It's a, a lot less good than it was a decade ago. I got you. Well, I would like to see a more nationalized healthcare system here, um, but unfortunately, yeah, we have to have a revolution in order for that to happen. <laughs> So Zeno, when you uh, you're from the Netherlands and, and you reached out, you wanted to discuss the Dutch elections and about what has been happening over there. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown of what has been happening uh, in you know Netherlands and why it is so important? Yes, uh, in the past there were three large parties in the Netherlands. A Labour Party, which was somewhat like the American People's Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a centrist Christian Democratic Party and a right-wing free market Liberal Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Labour Party and the Christian Democrats used to compete with one another for the prime ministership. Mm-hmm. And the uh, free market Liberals sometimes played the role of kingmaker. Uh, but for the last while, the liberals have skyrocketed in popularity under mm-hmm. their most recent leader, Mark Rutte. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've, they, they've had a monopoly on the prime ministership for, well, as long as I can consciously remember. When I was young, uh, the Christian Democrats still had a prime minister. Uh, and they... They... At first, they privatized a lot and they uh, attacked the welfare state and things like that. Uh, But later on, the unpopularity of such policies uh, drove them to reverse some of their earlier positions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really, since the very start of the liberal dominance in Dutch politics, there has Mm -hmm. been a counter movement mainly of uh, various, mostly right-wing populist persuasions. Mm-hmm. First, there was Pim Fortuyn. Our he is sometimes being compared to Trump, but 
he was in, uh, assassinated in 2002 by uh, one of his opponents. Uh, he was really a lot better than Trump. He had plans to, for example, work with countries in India and Africa to improve their economic development. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, my lighting is slow. Uh, he had plans to uh, to nationalize some industries. He had plans to cut bureaucracy and introduce much more direct democracy. He came oh. from the uh, anarchist movement before he became a more moderate populist voice. So he was really, he has often been characterized as a right-wing populist, but he was really more of a centrist populist. Uh, he was himself gay and he was very pro-gay rights. And he took uh, some more traditionally left-wing stances. Mm -hmm. I've uh, never heard of a centrist populist before. That's a, that's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. His movement was really quite unique. He came from like an entire movement of similar centrist populist figures who mostly came from the left and then shifted towards the center and then ultimately to the right. Yeah. Uh, but after that, those politics never calmed down. We remain divided in all kinds of very small parties. And today, there are uh, in the last election, there were here, uh, I have my notes here, I don't remember it. Uh, I'm sorry? There were, I think, 16 parties elected to the Senate. 16? Yes. I counted them here, but I <laughs> maybe I counted one twice. Wait, wait, wait! Hold on, hold it. You're talking to somebody in the United States. We have two parties here <laughs> in the United States, uh, and really, to us, they're only one party, and you have sixteen. Yeah, but they are. Like in Germany, like in Britain and in, and in the United States, they're all very moderate. There's relatively little uh, true opposition in the country as compared to, for example, France, where both the right wing and the left wing have very large coalitions, very important uh, challenges to Macron. Mélenchon almost uh, got in the runoff against Macron and the Polls implied that he would have won against Macron in France if he uh, if he got in the runoff. There's nothing near that level of opposition here. They're mostly small variants, subvariants of the same ideologies that, uh -huh. like uh, the factions, the caucuses in the United States, except uh -huh. that they are all officially independent parties. Yeah, the Democratic Party here in the United States is actually a what we would call a center right party. Um, so there really is no truly left party in the United States unless you count the third parties like maybe the Green Party, the P uh, PSL, um, Socialist Alternative. They are the left wing, but they aren't not they're not major parties here in the United States. And so they do not they are not represented in our government at all if you look at um our representatives uh if you look at our our senate that is not represented at all 
Um, you may see a few in state elections and municipal elections, but they're sprinkled throughout. But that's how it is here in the United States. Um, and so you have what they call big tent party, which they call like to call the Democratic Party, when in reality, um, it's really just center right. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I read once in an article about comparison between European and American politics that the Democrats align mm -hmm. roughly in their policy positions with our right-wing free market party, the VVD. Yeah, and, and they so were considered. They they used to be considered the most right-wing voice in the country for wow. uh, before the rise of right-wing populism and more radical voices. Okay. Um, speaking of parties, you're part of the Communist Party of the Netherlands, correct? Yes, I am a, a member of the Communist Party of the Netherlands. The, well, the new Communist Party of the Netherlands specifically. Oh, the new uh, there are a couple other communist uh, organizations. Uh, I'm also a part of a party called the Socialists, which mm -hmm. is also a communist party or an attempt at a communist party or not explicitly communist party, but they also have some democratic socialists, some anarchists and similar such people. Okay. Uh, but they, the majority of them in the, the actual adults party are uh, some variation of Marxist Leninist, I believe. Okay. And in the youth movement, there are more Trotskyist, Trotskyite like voices. Okay. So as far as the movement that's going on in Netherlands, how is the movement going there? Is, is there a lot of activity on the ground with regards to the new Communist Party in Netherlands, or is it kind of stagnant in, in, in any way? Uh, now they, they have one public representative on a municipal council, the county level uh, administration. It's actually not very far from here where I am. Uh, there are a couple of counties over. Mm -hmm. It's called Ritse Visser. He's the longest sitting public representative in Dutch history, I believe. He has been on the council for, I believe, 52 years. Wow. Uh, and they keep electing him. But he, he is personally so popular that he gets elected. It's not his party that gets elected. When he dies and... You know, it, it can't be very long until that happens. Uh, he won't do another 50 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then they will lose their only seat. And they used to have three more seats, but they voted for uh, a reform that abolished two of those three. And then the last one split off from the party. So now we have two communist parties, each of which have only one representative. And they... Well, they are they each took about half of the membership, so they are split almost 50-50 across the entire movement. But my question is, why two different communist parties? Like, what is the difference between them? Ideologically, they are uh, <laughs> pretty much identical, as I can uh, see. But they go around accusing each other of being fake communists. 
United got me a strike. Right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds. It literally sounds like the United States. It sounds just like here in the West because you have you have some that will be accusatory that will go, oh, well, you guys aren't real. You guys aren't real. Uh, you guys aren't real socialists. You guys aren't the real left. You know, and my thing is, like, if you have two parties that essentially have the same ideology, that run on the same things, why not just coalesce together and move forward together? Yeah, yeah. It's just, and the worst thing is that they used to be one party, and yeah. now they, they can't see face to face at all. Uh, but one is called the United Communist Party. It's only active in one province, actually in the east of one province mostly, uh, Groningen, which was historically part of the heartland of left-wing politics in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, Amsterdam branch, the leading branch, which has no representatives at all, mm -hmm. uh, th they voted in favor of municipal reforms, which would abolish one of the constituencies where they held two seats. So they would lose those seats and they would get only in the new merged uh, municipality, they would get only one seat instead of uh, two in, and one in the other uh, constituency. So they would lose two thirds of their seats. Mm. And the Amsterdam branch also voted for, the, uh, for building a new city somewhere in that area, mm -hmm. which many local people are opposed to. And eventually the project was canceled. Uh, mm -hmm. And the Communist Party didn't really contribute to that project. It were more mainstream parties which came up with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but over those two issues, the party split, or at least that's what I've read about it. There's very little material about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, all the people about half of the membership living in Groningen created their own party. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I might be expelled for, uh, from the new Communist Party uh, for saying this. <laughs> we don't we don't want you to get expelled from any, any place. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, this reminds me of the United States. Um, and from what I've observed, there's actually an article that I wanted to share um, that you can probably speak on, but there was uh, some recent elections. Uh, this is out of Politico. It says Dutch pro-farmers party wins big in provincial elections. And just to remind the audience, there was a report that was talking, um, actually, I think Savvy Savs was talking about it, how Dutch farmers were literally protesting their government because they wanted to put a cap on nitrogen, uh, nitrogen pollution, and you know, basically coming from Dutch farms. And the Dutch farmers were upset; they were angry, and they were taking the tractors out into the streets, uh, putting manure on government buildings. Uh, this was a, a very huge referendum, and. They went. They won pretty big in their provincial elections. Uh, it says the Farmer Friendly Farmer Citizen Movement, or the BBB, 
landed a major victory in Wednesday's Dutch provincial elections, which determined the composition of the Senate. And from what I've learned recently is that the Senate is actually the upper chamber of the government. So when the the Senate makes a decision, it, it, it's, it's, pretty, it's more significant than even your House of Representatives, correct? Uh, no, it's the the second chamber is the name of our house of representatives mm -hmm. uh, it writes all laws and it has to approve the majority of us members have to approve any law that's yeah. introduced then the senate mm -hmm. uh, they have to approve the law also but they can't edit it they can't write any laws they uh they only have to the option of accepting or rejecting, and they can criticize it, but they can't make a binding decision on its content, only to veto it or let it pass. Uh, but the criteria they are, they have to make a constitutional justification for their decision. So if they if they don't have a reason, uh, if they don't have a constitutional principle which they can use to strike a law down, then the law cannot be vetoed. So they really only have the power of constitutional review, but they do need to approve every law that's passed in the country. Mm, okay. Um, thank you our, for courts, our courts don't have the power of constitutional review, unlike American courts. Got it, got it. Uh, so back to the article. Um, one of the things that uh, is interesting is that while these uh this party uh the farmer citizen movement is substantial in its uh more grassroots uh revolt or rebellion against what the government was doing uh they are more of a populist right um it's more of a populist right party that is uh against uh, this overreach that they feel is happening from the Dutch government. Yes, it's uh, many of their, they, they won the political articles as they were projected to win 15 seats. Mm -hmm. But uh, after in uh, North Holland, mm -hmm. they recounted or they, they it uh, took a while for them to finish counting at least. And it went up to 17 seats projected, uh, which makes them the largest party in the entire uh, Senate. Wow. And Eight. so they only had 1% uh, was it in 2021. In, uh, in, in they only had, I believe they only won one seat out of 150. This, this is 17 out of 75 in the Senate. In the wow. last election, they only won one out of 150 in the uh, in our equivalent of the House of Representatives. Okay. Wow. That's a huge jump. And from a, a relative, it, it is a relatively new party, is it not? Yeah, the last, last Senate elections, they didn't even exist. They had zero seats in the Senate. Because they weren't around back then. They uh, so th they made a massive jump from no senators at all to seventeen senators. Mm 
Uh, and it was really quite surprising to me and to, uh, all, to, to a number of people I know because mm -hmm. the protests which have launched them into prominence have died down relatively uh, mm -hmm. of late. So uh, we thought, I and uh, one of my more politically involved friends thought that yeah, in a twinter, another newcomer would win much more than they actually got. And BBB would have to share their uh, vote with them. But Jan and Twintig went to win only very few votes. Well, they won three seats. That's uh, still quite significant, but not as many as we expected. But my question is, what is the new Communist Party in Netherlands? What are they doing to try to repeat the same... Uh, results are you know are they getting out there um, on the ground and really trying to uh, talk to the people and provide movements as far as you know seeing you know seeking what the people's needs are and building on that are they doing anything like that not that I know no they, they, I don't think they are really doing all that much. I've, I know that there is a branch of the communist youth movement in our city, mm -hmm. but they've never contacted me, even though I'm a, a member of their adult branch. And they, 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 they never contacted you, even though you're a member? Yeah, no, I'm a member of the, the adult party, but they, of the, or the adult branch, they, uh, but they, uh, the youth movement, they didn't seem to like me or, or something. I've contacted them, but they don't want me to participate in uh, something. I have no idea uh, why, but they, uh, <laughs> they really don't seem up to very much uh, anyways. Except, except that they, uh, after I couldn't get involved with the communist youth movement, I joined uh, another group called the Socialists, mm -hmm. which was only officially created 1st of January this year. Uh, and they, uh, the, the communist youth movement sometimes <laughs> destroys our posters or puts stickers all over our stickers. It sounds like you have two uh, factions on the left that are really in competition with each other instead of working with each other. Yeah. Well, there are a lot more than two. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my, my, what do you think could be a, a, a way that they can come together or coalesce around one another in order to really fight for the people? Because, I mean, granted, um, solidarity with a lot of the farmers, but at the same time, it's still yeah, wanting. Like, I mean, do they still not want to? Do they still want to work within a capitalist system? Because, you know, despite what many people who consider themselves progressive here in the United States, I mean, yeah, the Netherlands is socially they consider it socially democratic, but it's definitely still capitalist country. Yeah, the, the, 
the left wing in the Netherlands has very little sympathy for the farmers because our farmers are uh, they are capitalist farmers and that most of them employ foreign workers mostly from Poland to do most of the work on their farms and they are more business managers uh, even though they also do farming themselves many and mm-hmm. some spend most of their time doing farming mm-hmm. many of them are also business owners uh, and so there's very little sympathy uh, from most of the left uh, many have explicitly condemned the farmers protest I mm. personally don't support farmers because I oppose the government policy against which they are protesting. So even if they are people I don't necessarily agree with, mm-hmm. I will still work together on them with, on this protest. Mm-hmm. Wow! Uh, but the the farmers, the the farmer citizen movement, is the name of the party or BBB in Dutch, uh, an abbreviation for Boer Burger Beweging. Mm-hmm. which means farmer citizen movement they won they won a massive victory but mostly mm-hmm. at the cost of other right-wing populists and mostly at the cost of they are not actually anti-war they are not actually opposed to most of the policies of the government for example they still want the measures many of the measures against the farmers to continue only to be implemented with more respect towards the farmer. Uh, and so while they have some populist appeal, they are like they are the most moderate populist party in the country. And they want most of their seats at the expense of more anti-war, uh, more, well, uh, in many ways, superior populist voices. Forum for <laughs> Democracy, which I have also been involved Mm-hmm. Uh, a little mm-hmm. lost 10 of their 12 seats mm-hmm. and now they, they only have two seats uh, and many centrist Christian Democrat voters went over to the farmers because these are very you know, stiff rural people who generally vote for the most moderate kind of lame sounding party like the mm-hmm. Christian Democratic Appeal a very, a, a very, very moderate and very lame-sounding party, with policies that are, yeah, as terrible as they sound. Mm-hmm. But many of them went over to the farmers now, because farmers are really also quite moderate. Only they have, they claim to represent the same rural voters that mostly voted for the uh, Christian Democrats before. And so the Christian Democrats, there are three, three Christian Democratic parties in the country. A more left-leaning one called the Christian Union, which lost two of their four seats. Mm-hmm. A centrist one called the Christian Democratic Appeal, which lost four of their nine seats. And uh, a more right-wing fundamentalist, well, it's not even a Christian Democratic Party because they, they are just a Christian fundamentalist. They lost one of their two seats, which is quite massive, actually, because I believe they... Since before World War II, they have held two seats consistently and never lost any of them. Wow. And now this is the first time they lost one of those seats. Wow. Uh, and those, the, the Christian Union and Christian Democratic Appeal are part of the government. Mm-hmm. So they lost 
the, the, together they lost six seats for the government. The free market liberals lost two of their 12 seats. <laughs> and the, the social liberals, they're called the, the more progressive, socially progressive liberals, lost uh, two of their seven seats. So now, now the coalition is in, in a, you know, it's, it's nowhere near strong enough to get lost through the Senate anymore. But, well, these are projections. The, at least this is if everyone in the electoral college, which has now been elected, will vote for the representative of their own party. Mm. But mainly this election represented a shift from Christian Democrats and from right-wing uh, anti-war, anti-lockdown, right-wing populists towards these more moderate farmer populists. Uh, and on the left, the labor left has correspondingly lost one seat. The Socialist Party, which had four seats, and which was, uh, at least it used to be a truly anti-establishment, truly populist labor mm -hmm. party. Mm -hmm. uh, it lost one seat, and the Party for the Animals, which is an animal rights and green party, gained one seat. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, now, they now have four seats. The Socialist Party now has three seats. Wow. Uh, and the uh, Party for the Animals, they, apart from championing animal rights and environmentalism, they also uh, they also support taking back a lot of sovereignty from the European Union and re <clears throat> reintroducing our national currency. Uh, so they are they are anti-establishment. They are <clears throat> uh, outside of the mainstream, but they are mm -hmm. they aren't focused on labor issues, and they aren't focused on systemic critiques of of the system, unlike yeah. the left-wing populists and to a lesser extent uh, some right-wing populists. The mm -hmm. right-wing populists here now call themselves the system opposition rather than the policy opposition. Mm -hmm. Because they said that they are the only ones who make systemic critiques of the current system. Uh, but the, the Party for the Animals is just a very radical environmentalist party. And because the right wing won big on anti-environmentalism, they gained moderately at the expense of the labor left for their environmentalist message. Mm. Wow. There was a comment that I found very interesting. I would like to get your thoughts on it. This is from Nick O. Uh, Nick says, the Dutch intelligence services have a well-known history of infiltrating their leftist groups. I wouldn't be surprised if their inter-communist socialist infighting is a result of it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I read a report from like 1999 or something about so-called left-wing extremism. Mm -hmm. uh, by the intelligence service where they said it was a threat and that it had to be combated somehow, but they didn't go into detail uh, on what they were going to do. But mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did some infiltrating and some uh, sub subateering, some, uh, if, if they created some chaos historically in our movement. 
mm -hmm. responsible for some of the splitting tactics. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they are involved uh, in the current splits. I, I would suspect they are not because the party only got, I believe, 10,000 votes across the entire country before the mm -hmm. split. And then they split into one which got 5,000 and another one which also got 5,000 votes. So the Communist Party was not a threat. Uh, so well, so that's they, they don't have to split it. Oh, okay. That's different here because some of our people who were leading movements were assassinated in the United States. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot more involvement here in the United States. So, yeah. But um, there was a video that I also wanted to share. Um, you've probably seen this, you know, uh, on your news feed, but I, I found this to be, uh, <laughs> I kind of wish that the, the left here in the United States did things like this, but they're too timid. But this is uh, a video. <laughs> and they're saying that we can learn <laughs> from the Dutch. So here it is. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can see here there's police along the front lines and they are getting manure landing on the dutch police just take it in yeah. everybody just <laughs> yeah there's a, there's just a very a very famous what? moment i believe <laughs> why can't like and if here's the thing uh and, and a lot of times we will say that you know why can't we in the united states do things like this and one thing that i, I a lot of people are revealing here in the united states versus in the netherlands is that your police respect the citizens a little bit more or am i wrong about that uh well, I, perhaps I don't know. I've I've only once really come into contact with a policeman. That's not family of mine. I, one of my uh, extended family members is a police commissioner. Uh, well, apart from him, I've only ever once come into contact with police, and it was when I was hit by uh, by a car when I was driving back from home on my uh, bicycle, and there was a policeman standing right next to it, and he saw all of it. There was this woman who passed straight through a stop sign then hit me with her car and they started yelling at me that I was like a bastard or something and the woman just backed up and drove around me which is a felony and he just stood there and did nothing that's all my experience with police I've, I, I do know from some of the people who went to more protests that there has been some uh, quote heavy fighting end quote uh, but from the description they gave it, they gave it seemed that they had initiate, initiated the violence, and not the police. Mm -hmm. uh, I, it might be that uh, our police is generally more timid than the American ones. Mm. 
So what would be some of the things that you would like to see as a change, especially with the new Communist Party and other uh, Communist parties in Netherlands? What type of changes would you uh, want to see happen among the left in Netherlands? Uh, wait a second, I will make some more light. Mm-hmm. So what type what of change would you like to see within the left in the, in the Netherlands uh, more? What more what more changes would you like to see? Well, I, I, currently there's a, a major change change happening in the Netherlands, in, not just on the left. That's an adoption of more American-style woke identity politics. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see that stop because I don't think it's useful if you try to unionize a workplace that you're canceling half of the employees. Mm. Because it are, almo- it are almost always uh, workers, normal people, who get mm-hmm. canceled because they are the easiest target. You can't easily cancel Jeff Bezos and expect him to be uh, hurt by it, but you can cancel some random guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would like to see that stop. Mm. And instead more of a focus on, on labor issues. And in general, in all the time that I've been with the socialists, uh, at least with their uh, local branch, the Groningen branch is better, but the local branch in Friesland has, uh, they only once talked about labor. They only once used the word labor. And it was when they talked about the labor party, another party, uh, an establishment social democratic party. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, they only talked about identity politics and then not about labor issues. And mm-hmm. they, they didn't talk about socialism either even though they're called the socialists. Mm. I would like to see them adopt more of an active reaching out towards the the workers and not just saying uh, the government is bad, but this is our alternative. This is our plan. Mm. And I I would like to see uh, the left reach out more uh, towards right-wing populists and towards Mm. people who and work together with people who are also anti-war or are also in favor of direct democracy. Mm. Because Forum for Democracy mm-hmm. is in favor of, well, well, the card Forum for Democracy because they were created initially to get uh, direct democracy implemented. Binding uh, a ballot initiative type uh, actions by the people mm-hmm. and the previous party with champion that the social liberals the socially progressive free market liberal party mm-hmm. they voted to abolish advisory referendums even though they had fought for it for decades they finally realized it they did one referendum uh, one plebiscite and they then voted to abolish them immediately after because they didn't get the result they wanted. They got the result that most Dutch people did not want to uh, sign the EU association treaty with Ukraine and mm-hmm. get more involved with Ukraine. Mm. And 
D66 is the most pro-European integration party. And they're some of the most uh, eager to get more involved with this war now. But this was already in the, this was when the Crimea stuff was going on, mm -hmm. I believe. And, wow. Uh, and and the, the, the previous so-called direct democracy party betrayed its entire principles and felt mm. to abolish the only direct democracy we had. And so the right-wing populace took up the torch and it passed from <clears throat> from the, the centrist to the to the right. And I think we should appeal to the dissatisfaction and to the desire for more agency and more influence over the course of their lives that that's so appealing to people in direct democracy. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's also why I, I'm involved with and why I talk with right-wing populists a lot. Got it, got it. But it's important to move people over to and, and open people's eyes, you know, to what is going on. A lot of times people cling to capitalism because that's what they were indoctrinated with, the, you know, throughout their entire lives. So, yeah, I, I totally get it, dude. Yeah. And, and the right-wing populists are now saying that they are making systemic critiques. That's the language they use. They say that it is systemic. That's normally what the left says. But now they, they copied it and they now have a monopoly on, on such language, on such rhetoric in the Netherlands. So they're adopting left-wing language. Got to be careful with that because last time that happened, it happened in Italy <laughs> years ago. Oh man, there was a guy named Mussolini that used left wing language. Oh man, oh my goodness, yeah, I gotta be careful with that though. Um, man, this is all very interesting to see, especially how it, it when, when you because I live, you know, I'm here in you know. You think the more things are different, the more they actually are the same, you know, you know, here versus over there. It's just we have less parties. Yeah. It's one one thing that I think it's important to note mm -hmm. is that Farm for Democracy and so-called Freedom Party, these are two right-wing populist parties. The Freedom yeah. Party is a national conservative party. Mm -hmm. A kind of paleoconservative type nationalist. They say that the Netherlands is, quote, the greatest country in the world, end mm -hmm. quote. Uh, and they are very distinct from the Forum for Democracy, which does not say that the Netherlands is the greatest country in the world, uh, which appeals to Forum for Democracy, says that it is not trying to appeal exclusively to the right or exclusively implement a right wing agenda but bring people together around primarily the course, the causes of anti-war, anti-authoritarianism and direct democracy. Wow. Uh, so th these are two very distinct trends. And in other countries, they, uh, for example, in the Trump movement, you see people who are very dissatisfied with the way that they're being shut out of politics, but also people who are very nationalist and very chauvinistic. Got it. Uh, in the Netherlands, those two are separate. And I think that 
Farm for Democracy has many supporters who in, in Britain would support the Workers' Party or who in France would support Mélenchon and uh, such left-wing populist voices. Mm-hmm. And many of the voters came from, from historically from the left, from the Labour Party or from the Socialist Party. Wow. Well, we'll know a little bit more now about what's going on in the Netherlands than we did before. Uh, I want to thank you for coming in and teaching us a little bit more about what has happened with Dutch politics there. Um, and thank you so very much for joining, you know, me, Zeno. Just the question, though, is, you know, where can people follow you and, and your work? Uh, I've created a YouTube channel, but there's nothing on it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got you. Uh, it's called Renaissance Report, or Renaissance Report, if you will, in English. Uh, a name chosen explicitly to appeal more to right-wing populist uh, voices. Because if they hear that you do the word Renaissance, they think that you're a right-wing populist. Uh, <laughs> kind of flying under the radar, I see. Uh, there's nothing on it yet, so I don't think people can fight it because it's not uh, not public yet. I got you. But that's where you can find uh, any clips from the stream that I that uh, I will upload any future videos, and uh, and I would like to ask your permission to take some clips from the stream to upload on my own channel. Oh, <laughs> um, if you would like to, you can. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm fine with it, uh, you know, as long as, you know, we get to spread the word a little bit more. That's that's fine with me. All right. Mm-hmm. I will see you some other time. All right. Thank you so much, Zeno. Take care. Have a good one. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much for everybody uh, for joining. And look. Look out for Zeno's channel when it comes out. I'll make a notation of that for you guys. And yeah, I, you know, we have to learn more about what's going on in other countries, especially these Western nations, because a lot of times uh, there may be a groundswell of workers that are actually wanting to uh, do more uh, as far as the worker movement. But sometimes they go into a direction where it's more uh, corporate friendly. And so, you know, it's up to us to talk to our neighbors in order to help guide them from that direction, because that corporate friendly means more wars, more austerity and a whole host of other things that we just don't want. So I appreciate Zeno for coming on and explaining more about Dutch elections to me. And it was quite revealing. So thank you so very much. By the way, if you guys have not, please make sure to like the stream and just to let you guys know if you guys would like to you guys can always subscribe turn that red box into gray for me and thank you so very much um as you can see the subjects today were zeno on dutch elections zeno was just here and so now we'll be getting into right brain phase four this is exciting aren't you excited so this is really going to be a really great conversation. Uh, and so thank you so very much. 
Um, I'm just going to go to the chat really quick before I invite Kevin in. I, I see that he's here, but I just want to get into also to some of the people who are here. Um, let's get to the people. All right. So thank you so much, Hens Teeth. <laughs> I accidentally put in AM instead of PM. I know it was, I was tired. I was making this half asleep. I was like this on the, on the computer. I was like, uh, let me make sure I get it. Is it is it up yet? All right, okay. All right. Go to bed. <laughs> so that's what happened with me. So, but thank you so much for the lookout, Hen's Teeth. I appreciate it. Jam Mom's also in here saying, sing it, JB. Me, 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 me. Good to see you. Pachico coming in saying, yay, JB. Good to see you, Pachico. We have Jason Dick. Coming in saying, Woo, I remember to log in on time this time. Good to see you, Jason. All right. And of course, Zeno was saying hello to everybody. All right. We have Wadi coming in saying, Hey, everybody. Good to see you. Purple Philosophy says, Glad to see you getting more subs, JB. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm trying to grow so that I can extend the voice out there because that is also very important. You know, to get these messages out there. All right. Just making sure to get to all the people I didn't get to say hello to. Uh, let me see. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Jam Mom says, I think Europeans have better access to information, but I'm not from Europe, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they actually are a little bit more uh, abreast of, you know, the United States and what has done wrong versus us because we are very propagandized in this country swear fairy coming in with the hearts fire coming in and saying hey besties hope you're feeling loved today well we definitely feel the love from you sweary fairy we have scissor beats coming in saying yeah i don't understand this language but good to see you thank you so very much all right we have Ryan Wagner coming in saying that's the angle Andrew Yang tried to play. Thank you so much. Bill Bradley says actual populism, letting the people decide can be left, right, or center. It would depend on what the people of a specific population want. Thank you so very much for that, Bill. And good to see you, Bill. All right. We have Yipper99 coming in saying <laughs> good to see you, Yipper. 99 and i'm just trying to make sure uh and the quantum alchemist i'm sorry I, I didn't get to say hello to you good to see you as well and then of course nico is in the chat too if i didn't get to say hello to anybody then i do a pop oh and yepx yepx is also in the chat yeah i almost did yeah this morning but i made it i got there and i had the bandages to prove it all right, so uh, let me check the rock fin just to make sure. All right, and yes, I have a comment on rock fin. Let me make sure I get that because that's important. Let me enlarge this. Uh, one, two, three, four. Oh, whoop, that's way too big. <laughs> that's what she said. One, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> I'm so silly. All right. Thank you to Rory O'Neill. Says happy Tuesday at JB. T, peace, and likes. Thank you so very much. Now, 
Kevin, if you are ready, give me a thumbs up. All right. My next guest for today, we have Kevin Ronka of Right Brain TV coming in again. Kevin, so good to have you again. Dude, it feels so great to be back. It's always a good sign when you get invited back on a show. But can I just remark, you look so fucking good. I feel um, I feel underdressed. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I, I was just like, let me professionalize it up a little bit. So that's, that's what I did. That's great, man. Great to see you. How you feeling? I'm doing all right. Got my water. I had a doctor's appointment earlier today. And then my, okay, so I set my alarm on my phone and my alarm was like, yeah, not today. So I was just like, I woke up. People, my, you know, my family's knocking on the door. Hey, your ride's out here. I'm like, oh, oh no. And so I rushed, got out there. And then the lady was, she was so sweet. She was like, you look fine. You look okay. <laughs> Let's just get you your appointment. And then she, you know, I guess she was a very religious lady. And so she was telling me that God was going to bless me. Um, and she was, she was just a sweetheart of a lady. And so thank you so much, ma'am, uh, for taking me to my appointment. Had the appointment. Everything was good. And I got home safe and sound. And now I'm here in front of you. So, yeah. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. You know, I'm not religious, but it's never a bad thing when someone says a prayer for you, blesses it. It's really just sending positive. You know, even if you strip away the religion and organized religion aspects, just someone sending you positive energy is, is always a nice yeah. thing. Yeah, that's also really important. And I think that uh, there, there are people, you know, uh, no matter if you're atheist, religious, or what have you, a lot of people have their heart in the right place. And, you know, they just want to, you know, uh, impart something positive your way uh, and to positively affect your mental and emotional health, which... I'm not opposed to that. So I just appreciate it. But how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's, uh, man, just on crazy hours, you know, like getting um, phase four ready. I had set an alarm at like three in the morning because the guy we work with, the developer, is in another country and we're never on the same time zone. And like time just doesn't exist in this, in this apartment. It's like as soon as you step in, you're in the twilight zone. And my mom is a night shift nurse. So she comes in at nine in the morning. We're either awake or just going to bed. I mean, I was working on phase four until literally 10 a.m. from 3 a.m. to 10 a.m. Just blasting it out, you know, take a four hour nap, get up. It, it's a lot, man. It's a lot because it's like two people, some great volunteers, incredible artists that help us out. But just two people kind of running the show. So it, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. So, Kevin, uh, while you're here and, you know, if any of you have ever uh, wanted to know more about Right Brain TV and Kevin's beginnings, you guys can go to that. It's in the it's in the playlist section of interviews. You guys can always go there and check that stream out. But Kevin, what's going on lately with Bright Brain TV? Because I see this whole thing about phase four. I'm like, what in the hell is phase four? And how can we know more about it? Just tell us so that we, you know, will rush and subscribe to Right Brain TV so that we can you know, watch more of what you got going on. Well, it's a great time for people to do it because this entire week we just we hate art. You go, I'll, I'll go back to what you're asking, but we hate out the the barrier of art. It's it's always it's kind of been hijacked by the bourgeoisie. It kind of always was, but it's more prevalent now. So with streamers up in their prices and hitting people with ads and saying you can't share with your family, look, we don't we don't give a shit if you get five friends, you all throw five bucks up and you get a yearly account and just share the fuck out of it. We don't we don't keep track of it. We don't care. We encourage it. I hope you your mom, your grandma, and maybe not your grandma are all using it. But 
So phase four, a lot of people ask me that who are kind of newer or like found us through Rome and haven't been with us from the beginning. Um, so the way Right Brain works is it's like um, we're not like the other streamers where we're putting out like hundreds of content a week and, and sort of uh, it's more supposed to be like the old TV days in a sense where you get a TV guide every month and you'll find a TV guide on the site. You can find it in the top click down. You can find it in, in the written work section. But the TV guide every month tells you hints of everything that's going to come out. We can't tell you what's going to come out because we've got we now know that we have competitors who are also in the small boutique streaming world who are keeping a lot of tabs on us, which we didn't know. And you know, I don't want to get too much into that, but we just have to be a little more quiet about what we do because we don't have tons of money. So we always have to be a little bit one step ahead. But basically every phase of right brain is five months, right? So if you think about a year, you do five months on and it's like a tasting menu. Not only do we curate each month so that all the content makes sense around each other and kind of build a, a lineup. We then um, make sure that all five of these months are all kind of like you, you're, you were in cooking. You bring out the appetizer. Like every month is curated to be one whole chunk. And that's called a phase. It's five months of content straight, you know, two, three times a week. We drop a new thing and then we take a month off and we just have to to just, you know, we take the money we got from people and we add new features to the site, make it faster, new server. Um, we just did a new search engine that we cleaned up. We added a, a new feature this time that I'll get into, but so every phase has been a five-month lineup and a new features. And the site's just grown and grown. I mean, if you saw phase one, I don't think I even knew Rome back then. Oh, man, that shit looked like garbage, man. Like heaping dumpster <laughs> fire. Like it looked like Angel Fire 1995 website. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you remember those, it's horrible. And I remember going to a film festival when we launched officially launched the site. I was at a film festival in Kansas, an underground festival. And I um, told everyone, go sign up for the website and like – that night I'm waiting, I'm waiting in my hotel room that they paid for and not one sign up. And I'm looking at it on my phone. I'm like, this thing takes like 30 minutes to load. It's a fucking, it was a mess. So if you saw from the beginning, now it almost looks Netflix quality to where we came from. And every, every five months we promise a new, more daring lineup and new features. So the site actually continues to grow and unlock almost like a, not a video game, but like, so the big thing about phase four that I'm so fucking excited about is we've installed a virtual theater on the website. Now people are thinking like a virtual theater, like why would I pay to go to a virtual theater? Well, here's the thing. Like we would never, we're not like Netflix or whatever happened during COVID. We would never try to take away the human interaction of going to a local theater. And if you're a filmmaker, go to the local theater and do your screenings. But a, most of the theaters have been bought out or hijacked just like film festivals, the same problem where there's that lack of entry or we were, we've been quoted like, you know, $150 an hour to rent the theater, no help with promotion. So if you can line it up with your local theater, do that, get your friends, get your family, get your supporters. But if you have like an audience that's spread around the internet and like us spread on five continents, why not add another stop on your tour? We do a 50-50 ticket split, which is the cheapest ticket split you'll ever find. We do 10% if you want to do that for a direct action. We did 15% in our last one. Make the tickets like three to five bucks, and we actually do it live virtually, and we actually will be having filmmakers Q&A in afterwards. And, um, you know, we've got a filmmaker from Berlin in the new lineup. Uh, he followed, uh, they followed runaways on the streets who were like 17 years old and about to have a kid all the way up till the birth of the child. Um, we had a guy, one of the films we're playing, Century of Smoke, was shot in Lao, which is like, we've never even heard of that, on an opium farm where a guy is trapped by his addiction because the government in Lao wants you to, you know, grow opium. So it's legal. So your your heroin addiction is growing in your backyard by the field fool. So it's like the filmmaker who spent a year in Lao is going to virtually come in from France and you'll be able to ask him questions and interact with him. So the virtual theater is like, it's like we've just built a theater on the website. And for us, that was something we planned two years ago. A lot of things we planned two years ago are coming into fruition now. We have like a five-year plan. So 
um, we didn't think we'd have a theater this quick. We thought phase six, phase seven. So phase four means it's been four, five month lineups. So 20 months, almost two years now. Wow. All right. It's a long winded thing, but you know, no, but this is really cool. And so I, okay. So uh, I'm looking through your Twitter feed right now. And the, the one thing that sticks out to me is one of the new things that you have involved with your phase four. And let me get this um, because I look, I almost spit out my drink in a oh, good way. You know how when something, say, you, you, the suspense was like, uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like, uh, okay, before I show it, remember that, remember the movie Coming to America? Please tell me you saw it. I love it. Love okay. It. Okay. Remember when Arsino Hall was dressed like a woman mm-hmm. and he said, I just want to tell you, I've been watching you all this evening. And I'm going to tear you apart and your friend too. And he spits out his drink. So that's how I spat out my drink. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> but in a good way. Good, because good. I saw this and I was just like, wait a minute. Hold up. Are these guys serious? Look at this. No. This, this guy. Yo. Okay. I'm going to read it. It says, this month we're dropping the long-awaited embargoed films of Cuba. Seven films from one of the most stigmatized and sanctioned countries in the world. Cuban cinema is a beacon of revolutionary film. Film intros will be done by Cuban film historian Victor Fowler of the prestigious ACAIC. This is massive, bro. Thank you. This is massive. In fact, in front of you, I'm going to like and retweet it right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. this is amazing. Yeah, let me tell you, that's the follow-up, the first um, series we did. And it was actually, I'm not lying, when we conceived Right Brain in a basement somewhere in a cloud of smoke, just trying to think of ideas of like, well, you know, we want to be the anti-Netflix. We want to be the thing where you can find things you can't find anywhere. One of the first ideas that came to mind was like the sanctioned films of uh, North Korea. And we're like, yeah, that's a great, you know, what would Netflix never fucking have that I'd love to see? And so we actually did do the sanctioned films of North Korea in phase two. And we still have it up. If nobody, if anyone's a member, go check that out. We got film introductions by a guy named Dr. Dermot Hudson, who has been to the DPRK like 18 times and uh, mm-hmm. does these little introductions. So like the thing is, a lot of people with these kind of series, like even the Cuba one, which I'll get to, is like, I think with cinema in general, people feel when they go on the site sometimes a tad bit overwhelmed. And so they're like, man, it's just such a dense medium. And there's so much history in so many countries. What we try to do is say, you know, let's do the best we can to push you in the right direction, but there's nothing wrong with just clicking something random. But for something like DPRK or Cuba that's so dense, we want you to know kind of like what movie you're going to watch so you can understand the historical context behind it, because that's what makes a movie powerful. Like you could watch The Flower Girl, the DPRK film and say, wow, this is a great film. It looks like it was made in Hollywood. It's a beautiful story. And I didn't know about the whole Japanese occupation of Korea. But when you understand the context of like, you know, Kim's father being a cinema buff, having actually written books on cinema and art and just loving film and uh, being, a, you know, having a grandfather who helped write screenplays. I mean, it, it just changes the whole context to it. So with the Cuba thing, we, that was the, always the follow up. If we do the sanctioned films of DPRK, if we can find someone who's been to DPRK to really illuminate us, then Cuba has got to be next. And uh you know, we reached out. It was actually harder to find a Cuban uh, film historian, but there's this incredible institute that was actually established right after the Cuban Revolution. So 1959, they, they overthrow Batista. 
you know, you know, Castro tried the first time they bought a, a yacht from Miami, I think, or Florida, and they loaded up with gorillas and they tried to overthrow Batista. They failed. They went back, they regrouped. Castro came back out, overthrew him, and they start this incredible institute called the ICAIC, which is the Cuban Institute of Cinemagraphic Art and Industry. And uh, we happened to find a guy through uh, just a, there's a girl named Kala. Who, uh, I think I, I don't know if that's the pronunciation. I just met her. C A. If I, if you don't mind me just checking, uh, let me get her name right. Um, yeah, Kala. Kala Walsh. She actually connected us with Victor. And when I found out he was a part of this institute and it was a film historian, it was like great. But um, just if anyone's watching, not that there be any police officers watching, but we didn't pay anybody anything right so we didn't actually send money to cuba we were we, we looked into it and there is ways to do it if someone has a relative it, it can be done but um he was willing to just do it he just loves the idea like we do of just getting more people to watch films from places like cuba and like i think i told you before a uh, film is a cultural art is a cultural echo if you trust hegel of what's happening in the world and probably even a better way to see history than a history book is history books as you know uh, especially with what they teach in our schools is written by the wealthy, by the bourgeoisie, that he was in power. Art is created by oftentimes the people who are not. So the cultural echo is art. And I think that um, watching Cuban cinema is probably a better way to find out what's going on in Cuba in some ways. Yeah. I mean, that is, <laughs> that's probably one of the most base things I've ever heard you say, because the thing is like, if you want to know what's going on in the country, let them tell their story. Yeah, cinema is this incredible language. We 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 often call it in the industry. It's it's it's, you know, the minute you cut two frames, they call it manipulation. I think it's actually before that, but not necessarily in a bad way. It's that you know, using you know, with most art forms, a lot of them they're a singular thing. Like you paint, you paint in your room by yourself. You write, you write at your typewriter. Um, cinema is like you're more like a conductor. You're working with musicians, writers. Um, you know, on the Rome Project alone, that was you know, twelve artists with different things they were good at. You had a graphic designer. The credits were done by somebody. The music was done by somebody. The, the violins in winter were done by uh, actually uh, students who go to a local school and are in the music program at a at a lower income school. So, you had this just it's just all these people working for one vision. And um, you know, cinema has a language from the way everything's framed. Uh, if you look at, uh, I, I'm not in any way dapping her up, but Lenny Riesenstoff, who was the um, director of Triumph of the Will, which was uh, Hitler's, you know, he found his favorite cinematographer and had her shoot movies about him. Those movies and how she shot him at power angles and the way that she would frame him from below in this godlike thing made him larger than life. And it was so powerful that that language was used in Disney movies, in Star Wars. You know, you can actually frame by frame see uh hitler rallies and and um hitler speeches and how they use that for movies uh to show power dynamics you know so like it gets really interesting when if when you have a country like cuba um utilizing these things the rule of thirds and who's in what part of a frame and how are you lighting it and they call lighting a film painting with light and studied you know a lot of film lighting was studied from classic paintings so yeah i i People might say like movies, all this for movies, right? Brain TV, it's just movies. Like, well, first off, it's music, it's books. Uh, we have a publishing, we have a uh, po podcast. But yeah, movies are are the last weapon. I mean, journalism too, what you guys are doing. We need all of it though, because China, Cuba, all these countries that successfully caused revolutions, DPRK, um, or kicked J Japanese invaders, imperialists out of their country, um, cinema was always an arm of everyone i mean that's what we're finding we're finding films from countries we ne i never saw anything from dprk and when you watch those seven films you learn a little bit about what's going on there you know mm -hmm. 
man. And so I want to go because there's so much more um, that you guys are doing. Uh, let me see here. So there was this preview that you put out and I would like to um, play it if you, if you that's okay with you. Absolutely. All right. Let me share the screen. Thank you so much for doing this, man. We don't do tons of podcasts and usually people want to talk about Bernie, the squad or Ukraine, and we just don't feel like doing that. Like there's enough people doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Woo. Es lo que se hace la puta, sí, eh? Sí. Has estado al talego, sí, no, nen? Eh? Sí. La puta pasta que amadeus, unta la tens, nen. Unta tens la pasta. A la calacera. Unta la tens. A la calacera, tío. Aixeca-te la cara como un puto culador, eh? A la calacera, la puta pasta. Fermín, otra presenta escapora. That's pretty awesome. If you don't mind, if you haven't seen it, uh, just a request. If you could play the trailer that shows everything that's coming in the next five months, if you haven't seen it, or maybe you have seen it, I would be honored to show that because I feel like that gives a good idea of kind of what's ahead in a longer scale. It's like a little longer, but it's like a minute and a half. Oh, okay. So let me let me take a look for it. Uh, I you said it the retweeted, so you know, I just um, I think it'd be cool. Just I think it gives a really good roundabout. Um, idea and then we can get into at, at your discretion any aspect of what's coming that you know you might want to see um hold on a second here it's yeah, it. oh, oh it's in my it's at the top of my feed all right yeah if you go to the top of my feed that's the pin thing and that'll that's like the whole five months that's coming basically okay oh i see i see i see okay all right okay this is gonna be awesome all right hang on JB, hurry up, JB. Hurry up, man. You haven't seen it? You haven't seen it? <laughs> no, I have not. I, I actually want to do it with fresh eyes. So I'm so I'll be surprised too on stream. All right. I'm ready. Are you? I'm ready. All right. By the way, guys, like the stream. All right. Let's go. Viu a la indiferència, a la superfície. Sou tan superficials com la merda que sura per sobre del mar. Crítics, periodistes, intel·lectuals, perquè penseu que esteu per sobre, eh? que teniu una intel·ligència superior. Però aquí estem. Eh?
Estàs al telèfon, no, nen? La pota pasta que m'adeus, un te la tens, nen. Un te tens la pasta. A la calaixera. Un te la tens. A la calaixera, tio. Aixeca't a calaixer la cara com un puto curador, eh? A la calaixera, tio. Ui, la puta pasta. This started yesterday. Yep. Wow, man. Amazing job, by the way. Thanks, man. Yeah, we I mean we cut all the trailers, right? All the synopsis. Anything you see, the uploads. The only other thing person we have that's really doing the day-to-day is our developer. And so, like, we do five months, it's just like every other day and dropping like 80 trailers a year and writing up everything and organizing. They have to curate it and you have to find the licensing and find the filmmaker who's shooting in Lao and wire them money and work out agreements. And it's like to hire a cpa and like you know people sometimes say like are you guys a legit streaming i mean yeah we're licensed llc and i hate all that shit i hate capitalism i don't like having a cpa and filing taxes and k5s but yeah i mean it's like if we want to build a foundation that we can maybe one day leave behind to others it's like you have to it's the only way and and you know we hated having to charge tickets for the room project that's why we put the um the mutual aid direct action on top but if we can't, um, and people, yeah, we had a couple of people critique us. Uh, yeah, I gotta be honest, I love it, but um, we come from more of the cinema background, and some of the YouTube, Twitter, left, not all of them are left space, not you guys, not your legit followers. They're just, they feel like a little bit entitled, where like, I'll just get like DM saying, make a movie about this. It's not even like you're nicely asking. It's like, okay, so spend all my life savings, which is what I did on the Rome doc, spent eight months working nonstop with no pay. We don't, we don't pay ourselves. This is for free. And, and, and we're working to hope to create something. It's like the amount of work that goes in while running the website with two people is insane. So it's like, you have to understand we're, we, we can't do five docs a year and uh, we really have to pick and choose. That's why we picked Rome is like, we're like, this is a movie. And we have to have this feeling like we can work on this for eight months straight and we will not be bored of it. We're going to be like up until the moment we drop the Rome doc. And even now we're so hyped on it. And like, that's when we make a movie. If someone wanted us to make a movie on, you know, subtitles for deaf people. It's like, I mean, yeah, we'd love to, but I mean, A, am I the one to tell the story? B, eight months of working on that one thing and spending everything we have is um, it's just not realistic. Yeah, you have to be uh, choosing. The thing is, it's like, I hate to put it this way, but it's it's like, why? like don't you have aren't some other people that you can reach out to as well that might be able to take this um because you know like for instance there's a lot of different stories that a lot of people that want me to talk about but i can't talk about everything that everybody wants me to talk about you know i choose what i find interesting to me and if it's mutually interesting between you and me then i'll pick it and if it is, you know, something that I can, you know, have a deep dive into and, you know, people got to remember, like someone like me, I have my limitations, you know, you know, I where everybody else has seven days a week. I have three. I have four days a week. You know, so my week is basically cut in half because 
When it comes to dialysis, even if you see me tweeting while I'm at dialysis, it's my brain is half shut off. So the thing is, like, I can only do so much. And so this is why I think we need more of you so that there's more people who can maybe tackle different projects, you know, outside of, you know, what you may be doing. Well, the interesting thing is like we we had met with a couple of smaller streaming sites that actually reached out to us and were kind of like we thought at first like they're trying to be our friend, but we were suspicious because they maybe they think we're after their audience. And then they started kind of probing. And we realized, OK, they do think we're after our, their audience. And we thought we were saying, hey, well, maybe we can all throw in on a catalog. These bigger movie catalogs are, you know, if you buy in bulk, it's better. So maybe like, if, you know, if you're if you really are on this sort of leftist tip, like maybe we all throw in together and get a better deal. But they wanted to kind of big brother us and, and and take away our autonomy like buy us out or something and, and merge and and for us it was like we don't we if and it's like well what would you think if you found out there's another right brain we'd be fucking happy we'd love it I, I hope there's 10 of them not because what makes us unique is not that we're a streaming site or even an underground streaming site it's that it's the, the curation and things we find things we do and the way we mm-hmm. think about it but if there were five of them that, that would be amazing like we could work together. I, for me, I love working with Rome was really cool because it was like the beginning of this idea of like building, not um, working within factions, but letting them be autonomous. Like mm-hmm. now we don't all need to be one. We can be one movement, but we can be factions in one movement. You look at like Fred Hampton, these incredible people, they never asked, they wanted a coalition, but they weren't trying to tell groups to get, you know, groups have different needs and interests to give up their autonomy. Why not have a place where you, you have five right brains that offer different things. And they work together sometimes. And you know what I mean? You pick the one you like the best. I think there's enough people out there looking for art. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that, that our philosophy is I hope more people say, you know what, maybe I don't need 50 grand to start. We all we heard when we wanted to start the streaming site because we couldn't get our work on any platform was like we had no option. We didn't want to start a streaming site. We kind of had to. It was like we tried everything. And we even tried having agents for a while. We, we somehow we got agents who were interested in us. They couldn't market us. Nobody wanted to deal with us. So they dropped us. And so. Like for us, it just it just seems like you could have multiple people doing this and 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 they there's this entry point where they're like, Oh, you need to be a tech guy to do it. And we were getting quoted from people like 50k and stuff. And it's like you don't need to do that. We started the site and it looked like shit, and we use members' money. We don't take any profit, we throw it in. That's why the site looks as good as it does. We don't skim anything right now. We've never taken a dime. We've just crossed our eleven or one thousand one hundred and eighty-eighth sale. And we've never taken any profit. I mean, that's hard to conceive. But when you are creating a foundation, make the site better, you know, make it faster, make it quicker. Um, start to, you know, it's it, this is truly like we don't consider ourselves a communist streaming site, but it is because it's a communal element of like everyone's throwing in five bucks or if you're doing a yearly like three bucks. And we're putting all of it into making this house we're all using better and better and faster. And, you, you know, you give us money. Okay. Let's build a theater, not let's take profit. Let's build a fucking theater. It was not cheap to find out how to erect a, a virtual theater that can do live, you know, Q and A's and also have ticket sales and um, mm-hmm. be able to hold a membership while buying a ticket and have a, you know, even building the part where you click, you know, buy a, buy a ticket. Like that wasn't easy to assemble, believe it or not. It's not a template. It's coded from scratch from an incredible coder. So, um, yeah, everything we do and the more money we make has made us get better movies. If you're around the beginning, we weren't even getting monthly movies. We were like putting out night crawlers and some of the stuff we made. But once the money came in, we're getting movies from Lao, you know, and the quality of movies has been going up. I would say there's some movies we played that were not great. And some people ask us like, well, why don't you play more films from Palestine? I mean, we have a lot of we've written stuff about Palestine on the site. We have uh, articles we paid for um, and, and things that we've done like that. And we uh, 
We have a book about it and we have their liberation manual. But we've we kind of read the audience like we did play a movie that was banned in England called Leela Khaled Hijacker about the first woman ever hijacked an airplane, an Israeli airplane, Palestinian woman, this beautiful, uh, mysterious, badass woman who and nobody watched it. Everybody says free Palestine. And it was like three bucks and the money was going. You know, we paid uh, her agent and she's a Palestinian filmmaker and none of the none of the people showed up for it. So. We just have to take it like as we go. Um, if no one's going to show up for a movie, I mean, God, we'd play ten Palestinian films if more people would show up for it. It's sad because it's, I know people are broke, but just even what we watch, our members watching, it seems like people sometimes tag an issue, but don't. Maybe it's easy to tag it, but the engagement, you know, because you think that would have been a big one for people. We thought we were so excited to play it. You know, we have no regret. Yeah, I mean, there's. Um... I think part of it is because uh, there's a lot of people who were being thrown. There's so many different things that are being thrown our way. And some of it is more, how can I put it? It's more fast food cinema, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. I watch Earth. it too. I watch it too. I mean, we all yeah. do. You know, and the fast food cinema, it, it you know, they pump it out. It, it, it makes close. It pumps it out, makes close to a billion dollars, and it's it, it's highly you know, um, it has big name actors, you know, high price CGI explosions. You know, it's Michael Bay's wet dream, and so that's what we have in our face constantly from the Hulus and the Netflixes and the Amazons. And so then when you see a more indie film or a smaller production, then it kind of makes you go, well, how is this interesting? But then that's one of the reasons why it kind of desensitizes us to more of the foundations of filmmaking you know, so it's just interesting because we're constantly being fed that, you know, and I think the films that you guys are curating are more of an intellectually heavy film. You know, it's like this cotton candy is bright, it's beautiful, and it's huge. But once you bite into it, you realize it's fluff versus... Some of the stuff that you guys are putting out, it's it's the collard greens, it's the mac and cheese, it's the it, you know it's it's the the meatloaf, it, it, it's it's the rice and potatoes. You know what I mean? We'll take that so, comment, man. Chicago. So you guys are putting out something that's gonna give you that intellectual itis, so you have to chew over it over time, right? But the other stuff is just, oh, that was great. All right, let's go to the next one. You know what I mean? So that's what it feels like. Am I? No, you're totally nailing it. And it's it's the fear that we have because when you eat too much cotton candy, your teeth fall out. So there's the whole, you know, we're always thinking. But at the same time, we we watch it too. The only thing that we're always trying to be cautious out now, even though we love a good movie, is um and we I watch Netflix. I mean, I watch 80s horror movies and I love it all. And Mm -hmm. um you got to be careful 
with the new pop stuff, how much of it is is being pushed with a with an agenda? I mean, you look at Top Gun being a recruiting tool for the military. Um, you look at Call yeah. of Duty as a you know you look at um, movies that subtly put put Russia and China as the villains, as the super villains. Even the Bond movies is dressed up imperialism. What is Bond more than a CIA intelligence agent that's been made to be sexy when he's really going to other countries and spying on people and trying to you know assassinate or take out somebody? And the villain's always a, a character. And I like Bond. But he's like they're like a character of like a Russian guy with the accent being a deceitful. And you look at Goldeneye. It's like about a Russian former intelligence guy who flipped to Russia and wants to blow up the U.S. with a satellite. It's like the country, the countries that are the most violent in the world, imperialism, genocide, colonialism, spying on their citizens, on their allies, deceitful. They're the ones making the movies. And it's like I said, with history, they're, they're the history writers. And the shame of that is now not it's not just the history books. They've completely they completely own the sea of information for film, too. So when we look back, we'll say Top Gun, Bond, these, these heroes when. Um, even though they are fiction, I'm not, you know, it's the crazy part to me is in Star Wars, you grew up rooting against the imperialists and now the imperialists are making films. Right. So like they're the ones uh, they are the dark side. I mean, the people you hated in those movies, they indoctrinated you in schools. You're probably eight years old when you saw Star Wars with your dad and hated the imperialists or saw Indiana Jones and hated the Nazis. And uh, then you went to school and they indoctrinated you not through trans where they were, oh, they're indoctrinating you with trans. No, they indoctrinated you with imperialism and war and convincing you this stuff is cool and virtuous and heroic and that slavery was so long ago and, and no need to worry. I mean, these things that, uh, yeah, and they transfer your brain. And by the end, you don't even realize that the people who you were rooting against in the movies, you know, the Nazis you rooted against were now funding uh, the, you know, the dark side you were against, the invaders uh, with the dark, with Darth Vader, you're, you're voting for them. I mean, that's what Hollywood's done. And so we do need more people to be making films that, that I think, you know, whether it's us or somebody else, and we'll always be a home to anybody that uh, wants to put a camera in a unique place and tell a unique story that only they can. I think the thing with our first doc being about Bernie was great in the sense that that was a regret, but a wake up call that uh, if you're going to make films about people, don't make them about politicians. Politicians are just high end carnival barkers. The old guy with the stick walking around saying, step right up, give us your money. You can win. You can succeed when it's completely rigged, right? Like they're carnies, yeah. high-end carnies standing on a soapbox yelling, you know, come get your medicine. I feel like, um, but making a movie about Rome now, like how often do you get to go to Detroit and walk around with somebody of that kind of an enigma, that kind of a, of a feel? I mean, beyond the social stuff, that guy on a camera is just gold. I mean, he's just fascinating. And the, the things in his face, you know, sometimes you just hold on Rome and let him, you know, he'll kind of be talking and you'll lose himself for a minute. And it's, I'm not saying in a good way, but the pain is real and it hits you in the gut. And, uh, you know, we need more film like that. We need to wake the people up. I always tell people, like, I don't want you to sit on your couch all day and watch Right Brain. I mean, for one thing, we don't have enough content. For another thing, like, we want you the, the, you to watch one movie on Right Brain and fucking go out of your house and go try to convince people to unionize or go fucking, you know, occupy a, a politician's building or whatever. Like, do not just sit on your couch and veg to this kind of content. It's just that's not what it's made for. And that's why we only drop. You'll see the TV guide. I saw you looking through it. That's all you're getting this month. And, you know, really appreciate that and what we already have. But you're, we're not going to drop 8000 things on you. And I, I think you and I come from different worlds. Like we're two different sides of the same coin. Tell me if I'm wrong. You have to put out content constantly. So I look at what you guys do and say, like, it's unbelievable how many streams you're able to do, how you're able to stay on top of this news that is constantly shifting, the tide turning. We'll take eight months and just put, like, we're punching one hard punch and you're jabbing for a long time. And I think they both serve strong purpose, but we look at you guys like, how the fuck do they pull that off, you know? 
Lots of reading. <laughs> Lots of reading. And, yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's just, it, it's a, it's a completely different world. And both worlds are, we have to fight against this brainwashing machine that constantly is telling us you're okay. Nothing's wrong with the system. You just need to either take a break or take this medication or here's this show that takes you away from it all or take this drug or they'll say you're just not working hard enough. You know what I mean? Or many different things that they will do to men. It's a manipulation. You know, like for instance, we will watch <laughs> we will watch movies like Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And or let's just go straight to Black Panther, right? Great uh great acting, especially yeah. by Michael B. Jordan, I have to admit, right? Yeah. And then he talks about liberating people. And that's when a lot of us black people were like, yeah, yeah, team killmonger. But then he kills the people who are with them. And we're sitting there going, yeah, no, nah, that wouldn't have happened in real life. If they were actually all together, that wouldn't have happened. And so yeah. it just goes to show that we got to remember, oh, it's still a film that tailors itself to the imperialist narrative. Right? And it's the same thing in, you know, this realm. Because you can go to MSNBC, you can go to CNN, you can watch an Ali Velshi, and he'll talk about, oh, well, yeah, they have universal health care in Canada where I'm from. Why don't we have that? Blah, blah, blah. But then he'll turn around and still support and make a narrative for the war in Ukraine. And it's like, wait a minute. Oh, so you you still are with the empire. They just make you think that, oh, we're, we're going close to being against it. But then right when you think that they're going to go all the way, then they go, no, no, see, psych, psych. You actually thought I was going to be against the empire. No, 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 no. And that's how it goes. There's 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 two instances that I, if I could piggyback off that, um, well that the way they did it was so sneaky, right? They 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 do this all the time. Ryan Coogler made a great indie film about police killing a, a black person unprovoked uh, in Fruitville Station. True story, you know, teenager mm -hmm. was murdered. Phenomenal film, really challenged power. He was indie, so he didn't owe any censorship to it, and people loved it. So the the capitalist Hollywood had to go with it, even though they probably didn't love it. They loved the police. Then they like, well, what do we do? We'll bring him into Disney and show him all the wonderful things and take another revolutionary filmmaker off the street. And they do it all the time. And they did it. I mean, Coogler sold out. Coogler now makes pretty terrible movies, um, being honest. And uh, like Panther, like you said, they, they neuter the uh, radical elements. I bet he probably had a more radical idea that was neutered completely by the shareholders. And uh, now he's all locked up in Disney contracts and you're never going to probably get a revolutionary Ryan Coogler film again. And they do that just like the media does it. They'll swipe like a Mehdi Hassan or someone from The Intercept and they'll just like Ryan Grimm and cash him out. 
And that's one of the reasons we built Right Brain is we don't have shareholders. Uh, we've been offered we've been offered in the first year, believe it or not, to be sold and refused. We won't we won't sell. We're not going to sell ads on the website. The only ad sales we do is this is one thing we started doing that seemed to get a good reaction was when we're going to do virtual screenings now to help pay for the screening, especially if they don't sell as many tickets as we'd like, because members can watch some of the screenings, probably half of them just being a member. So we're not making ticket money is selling ad space to small businesses, small creators, small filmmakers like we might get 100 passionate people, 50 people at a screening, even 30. Why pay Facebook for ads that nobody wants to see that they scroll past when you can get people at a movie theater where ads normally play and get your movie trailer, get your business scene. And then now the ads, instead of like YouTube where we're getting sent these ads from like Morgan Stanley and annoying companies because it's expensive. Like our last show, we did a virtual launch party last Saturday and we had ads from like a small soap company in the inner city of Trenton that just, you know, for five bucks and we played their trailer. And like it was cool for us because not only did it help pay for the stream, all the ads were from people like us, you know, just like small you never see that on YouTube, like a small business owner. And so we're trying to also find ways to utilize something like ad space to help offset costs without sacrificing, you know, like a page where you scroll around and there's like plaster at the top is like, get your, you know, Viagra. And like at the bottom is <laughs> some anime cartoon for a VPA, like whatever. Like, you know, it's like, we'd rather, if we're going to have ads, put them in a place where they're not ob 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 obtrusive to people or annoying or uh, whatever. But yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> to go back to the, yeah, yeah, I mean, to go back, you know what I mean? It's like you see it on these, like, I just, I, just, like, I just thought of a something that they would say in a commercial for Viagra. God, those were the worst. There's, it would be like, there's only one thing in life that should be this hard, you know? <laughs> so I'm just like, That's great. That's great copywriting, though. I hope that guy got a promotion. I, I'm sure, you I mean, having diabetes, you probably remember the commercials when we were growing up. It's like, my name is so and so. I got diabetes or whatever. It was like they were. Oh yeah, the guy with the mustache. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the days of like the public access after midnight. You know, all this mm -hmm. weird shit would be on. Those are people like us, like buying ad space on channel forty eight to play their weird, you know, weird slicer carrot thing they made at their house. And like the old invention ads and stuff are like that's why we're trying to bring back relics of the past we like, but you have to embrace the new. And I think the site kind of tries to do that. Is like you can read. Can watch old things, um, but you can do it in a new, in a new way. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, uh, but yeah, with the Hollywood thing and with the popcorn thing, it's like you know, and then and, and Cotton Candy and and Black Panther. You saw it with the Messiah film. I mean, everyone was telling me I should be so amped that they're going to make a film about him. And uh, with the, with Judas and the Black Messiah, it was like, yeah, but they really they did have the Rainbow Coalition stuff, but they kind of underplayed that. It, like, and my friends like, no, it was in there. It's like. No, it wasn't in there like it should have been or you'd be on the side with us getting ready to revolt. <laughs> like They didn't do it right because if you're seeing a movie about Fred Hampton or they, Huey Newton or somebody, if it's done properly and, and using film yeah. to its full capacity, you should want to get off the couch and hit the streets. And I don't know anybody. I don't even know anyone talking about that film. And that's another case where they're like, let's just get it out there and everybody can get over this Fred Hampton. Let's move on or, or you know, whatever. And yeah. Yeah, they, they really don't want to tell the truth about somebody that the state is actually assassinated they wouldn't they wouldn't tell the full truth about the person i mean they whitewash like how many how many movies have we had about martin luther king jr 
look at Malcolm by Spike Lee. And I actually, I, a lot of people I know hate Malcolm who are huge film buffs and black and white. And I actually love it. I love Spike Lee. I actually think that he's underrated. A lot of people will fuck with like his hits, but say his other stuff's too weird. But I actually think Spike Lee is a lot deeper than people think. He's not really a popcorn movie guy. He's, he went to the same film school as Martin Scorsese. I think same class maybe was cutting or no, he's a little younger. was cutting on film. Doing things you used to have to do where you have to cut the. I mean, he's a film buff's film buff. He's seen everything. He's not like a radical guy who just made movies because he wanted. To, he's he's a well-rounded cinema buff, and he's seen it from all countries. And so, like Spike Lee is a really good example of somebody who I still think. I mean, I still thought Black Klansman. I mean, I actually liked it, and I actually liked his Vietnam movie. Netflix let him do, and I think they just thought no one's really going to fuck with this movie. But I, I think that the Five Bloods was awesome, and I think he. But I think with Malcolm, some of those techniques he used, I actually thought were really powerful. But for some people, it took them out. But I thought that movie was pretty radical. I, I didn't think he packed too many punches with Malcolm, and I think making that in the '90s is crazy. Um, Young Denzel mm-hmm. wasn't as known. I mean, I don't know if I like Spike Lee like walking down the street doing the like he's a little over the top when he puts himself in the movie, and there's some silly elements, but uh i thought malcolm was great i think that's a very good movie about a figure um castro or i mean che was a pretty good movie the three-hour movie by soderbergh it's i mean it's a little boring but not boring it's a little slow but i guess the cuban revolution was kind of slow they were kind of out in the woods Mm -hmm. a lot cooking around a fire and it wasn't just a a blood pit you know it wasn't hamburger hill so like but i think those kind of films I, i hope we see more biopics about revolutionary figures but we need a bright brain like groups and we're a streaming site slash studio we need real studios with real money behind them and i've met some people recently that reached out to us and I, they're very clandestine but they're in the industry they see what we're doing which shocked us and they're 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 like us and they just don't talk about it but in their own ways they try to push a boots riley or a you know whoever um, he's just an example I'm using. Um, we've met people who are allies, they say, and we believe it, and comrades even, and uh, they're there. And if they can, if they can get the money behind them, and there are people who have money that aren't terrible, they're not evil, and they might even think in their head that they have good ideas to put out good things into the world. If we can get some studios like that that are not relying on shareholders or advertisers, then why can't they put out? And if enough people like it because of capitalism they'll play it and we need to get some of these movies in theaters and, and radicalize people again. Film needs to be another element, not just YouTube use YouTube to get your news, but use film, use paintings, go to the gallery, look at the stuff people mm-hmm. were making. Or, I mean, some of these movies from Cuba and other places were made by people that were overthrowing the government or watching. I mean, if you look at um, work from DPRK, those works um, were overseen by Kim's dad, who was part, you know, and, and grandfather, who were part of a revolution. Ain't nobody in fucking Hollywood ever barely even stood with a strike worker, let alone let her been part of a revolution. They, there's a lot of misconceptions. Like I meet leftists, they like love Cuba and they love the hot button ones, but they won't fuck with DPRK. And I just can't tell them how wrong they are about Kim. Yeah. Totally wrong. I went to, um, there's a, Nut Adal is a fantastic organization of DPRK, um, unification activists they want to see korea be one that's a big thing in dprk and i went to one of their screenings recently in philly at a communist bookstore you know in like the back room you know little screening 20 people crammed in and it was about a woman who gave up her citizenship she was south korean and german gave up her citizenship to south korea to go to dprk to prove how oppressive it was and came out of it like loving it and being totally stunned and the footage she captures is some of the only footage you can see like that and DVRK is pretty tight, man. Like they give a ton of rice to every family for free every year. All right, I'm gonna head out. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I uh, nope, nope. 
I'm, 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 I'm gonna get my plane ticket. Yeah, I'm gonna get my plane ticket. Um, oh my gosh, there was a, I mean, he he visits Kim visits almost every and dad visited almost every farm in the country. I mean, could you imagine Joe Biden actually going on a farm with farmers and asking how to make it better? How to they were like, we need machines, like we can't do this by hand. He's like, all right, done. Uh, I mean, the idea of people starving in DBRK and the photos you see. It's like, yeah, it's if somebody snapped a photo of San Francisco, you know, homeless alley and said that that's all of and that is all of the USA. But in DBRK, it's like they pick these snapshots, but like they get like an hour work break to dance in some factories. And there's like that's pretty big in the culture. Like put this dance track on and they'll all like start dancing collectively. And like at the end of the day, they look at who did the best and they'll, they'll congratulate him in front of everybody. And at the end of the day, they'll say who did the worst. Hey, you know, pick it up next time. Like. You don't see that at Starbucks. They don't, you know, they don't give a shit. Like, it's funny. Countries that are worker run or, or behind the philosophy of the worker from the perspective of the worker are the ones that our government hates. But like, I think that a film like the films like from the DPRK, that's how I like, that's why I like cinemas. That was my entry point. Even I was like, I did the sanctioned films because I went in with questions like, I don't know what the deal with DPRK is and came out of doing the series like, wow. Okay, like that's really cool to like get to have that experience while you're putting something out. Where I'm watching these introductions to the films by this um, guy, Doctor Dermot Hudson, and I'm being illuminated. Like, did you know in there, af- uh, air traffic controllers are celebrities? These beautiful women who do a real nine to five job, they're celebrities in DPRK. They get chased on the street instead of like Demi Moore, you know, like a worker treated like a queen. I <laughs> feel like it's it's crazy, man. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that the workers are the biggest celebrities in the DPRK? A lot of them, yeah. Air traffic controllers who are mostly women. So think about that. In, in the U.S., air traffic controllers are like men. You're having giant aircrafts being controlled by women, which is amazing, and they're like the face of it. And when they go down the street, people fucking love them. I mean, they're they're a cultural icon. These women, in the, they wear these like certain outfits that are government-mandated. Like It's like mind-blowing, man. Like I saw a guy that was like, his house was very cheap in DPRK and he could move his floorboards and put uh, hay down there. And he had a stove under, like in his floorboards and heat for the winter. So if anything ever fails, he can just, and with their TVs, they have a solar panel hooked up. So for black and white, you can turn a dial for solar to minimize electricity. Like because we've sanctioned the fuck out of them, if, if I'm allowed to say that, the, it's horrible we do it, but the ingenuity of how they've overcome it with like very minimal trading partners they were saying, like, we have to make our own clothes and because we can't get imports and stuff. Like, we are making our clothes. Their clothes are made in DPRK. And, like, they send stuff to China under, you know, they find ways to do that under the sanctions. But generally, like, they make all these great clothes they can't really send anywhere. So the way they've struggled and hung on against the U.S. trying to starve them out and never kowtowing to the U.S. imperialism is a reason alone to just watch their films and, and revamp your opinion on DPRK. And Cuba is going to be fun to play, but I feel like a lot of people already ride hard for Cuba. I think that DPRK is even like a, and we're trying to do more of those. Like we're planning on doing a lineup of V, you know, I don't want to say too much of what we're going to do. Cause I, again, I just, there's no, there's some prying eyes. I doubt they're watching right now, but we're going to do a series of Vietnamese war films from the perspective of Vietnamese people. So, I mean, no one's ever seen the other side. Like we have about 30 collections that we haven't even done yet that are like, you know, we wrote them all out and we're always thinking of new ones, but that's one we're, we're amped for is like, talk about a, a mind benders, like to see that. I mean, one of the DPRK films we have is a war epic action film, like a Schwarzenegger film with karate, but the villains are the Japanese invaders. And oh. here are the DPRK. Yeah, like, ah. It's crazy. He's like karate, not you know, and Americans too. Americans are the villains in these films. It's like fucking awesome. What? 
yeah it's crazy man like i love watching all this shit my life is a lot watching a lot of incredible stuff and and i feel honored and the thing is i'm incredibly privileged not just saying white privilege which i have I'm, i've been very lucky yeah i lost you know a parent and i've been through a lot and, and lived on the street but i'm overall very privileged and when people bring up our privilege we're like yeah and and all people who have white privilege and don't be offended when people, people get offended when you say white privilege, when you're white, stop being offended by it. No one's saying you didn't struggle. I know people that grew up in trailer parks and their mom cooked, did crack or their dad used to, I knew a girl that's dad used to force her to drive to, to the city to get him heroin on school nights because he was a Vietnam veteran. Like no one's wow. saying you don't have a struggle for being white. That's just, everyone has struggles. What we're saying is you have still have it. Imagine that. And you still have it better and people who, you know, a little over 100 years ago were sold as property. You need to identify that and say that it's okay to embrace your white pat privilege and think of ways you can use it. Okay, you have more privilege than other people. So use that shit. Give that platform. Let Rome have that platform in your next film if you have access to film equipment. If you have your own website, put Cuban work on the website. No one's saying to erase your privilege. Use that shit to help your brothers and sisters. Like, you have the opportunity. You are the role to play. You are... You know, you have one, maybe one of the more powerful positions in this revolution because the institutions have helped you. I, mean, I don't understand why people get offended by white privilege. Yes, we are white in right brain. We're privileged. So we're going to use that shit to put all the stuff out there that everybody else won't. Right. Like. Uh, that's a long rant, but that's that's just how I feel about it. Like. Yeah, if you were trying to get a hug out of me, bro, I definitely would give you a hug right now just for oh, saying that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hug is on my, uh, it's on my bucket list right under skydiving. Uh, like, man. Man, I hope you're you're in Florida. Yeah, I'm in Orlando. If I'm ever. Oh, well, we go on a trip every year to Universal with my brother and his boyfriend. We all go down there and I'll tell you, fuck, one time, man, my my brother's boyfriend almost put the hurt on someone. They uh, this guy walked by him at uh, Epcot. We were having the most enchanted evening and his boyfriend is amazing. He works at a dispensary and he's part of a union. And it's just we have a great family dynamic. My wife being a person of color, um, a Chinese immigrant. And this guy walks by and ruins our day, just calls my, my little brother and his boyfriend faggots. And I was so heated, but I didn't even my brother's boyfriend stay he's not a big guy he was like he was going after him and this was a tough looking guy and uh that was hard man that was that was like you die inside when you see that happen to anybody especially your brother i mean it was because i think they thought we're in orlando and we can be even more in a way out and about because we don't know anybody here and and my brother's out but i'm saying not everybody's as out and so it was like we can hold hands and to see that happen was just gut gut wrenching man i could have killed the guy and so um but if i'm ever in orlando uh we go every year uh i would love to try to meet up even do a direct action anything um be honored yo let's link up i got family i got a family member that that works out there you know slide you some ticks you know some tickets you know no you don't are you kidding We'll talk after the show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? we'll talk after the show too because one of the things we want to do with these screenings is get more people involved. Like, it, it's not about right brain. Like, we this is just a home. Think of it as a house. You need to fill it up with yeah. other kinds of people. We want to have people do Q and A's. Give them a percent of ticket sales. We're not worried about the money and work together and have good moderators and interesting people come on. So. If any of our screenings you wanted to be doing a moderating, we're doing a live screening of my uh, virtual live screening of my film I shot in China. Um, if you're a member, you can get in for free. If you're not, it's $3. Um, it just helps to pay for the theater. Um, mm-hmm. we sell an ad space. If you're looking to get your film seen or your short film or your music video or your fucking business, 
do a sponsorship with us. We will do a season wide sponsorship. We'll, we'll play your ad at every screening for you know five dollars a screening. It's like the cheapest ad space ever, but we'd love to have you as a moderator. And Mark brought it up, the other guy in the group. He loves your stuff, and he's like, I mean, we're great and everything, but like we don't like being in front of a camera. Let's get JB. Let's get one of these really fascinating people to, you know what I mean? Yo, okay, so I I I just want to tell you something I've always wanted to do, and you do not give me an answer. I just want to put that seed in your brain. One day, I would love to do the narration for a documentary. I would love to do something like that. Don't tell me if you would, you know, if you want to or not. I don't want to put that pressure on you. But my thing is, I would love to one day at least do like the voiceover for a documentary. Uh, that's something I've always wanted. Well, to all I'll say is this: a you have a you have a great voice. Everybody in Revolutionary Black Network would have a great voice for narration. But I think I see you always kind of in, as a centerpiece to the group in a sense where I think Rome is radical over here in this incredible way. Sabi does a little more formal interviews over here. I almost feel like you'd see her on an incredible network, like a good network, doing just really good. And I feel like you're you're right in the middle there. You have the passion of Rome, but you can do the classy sit down interview. And I think. You have the voice for it. I feel like it's the nuanced balance between the two. So, I mean, I'd love to. I always saw in a perfect world, we we, had a, we have a magazine. Um, I might have a copy. We have a magazine called Gorilla. We only did two of them because we did the thing where you actually pay all the journalists from different countries mm-hmm. to do it. So it costed a whopping $1,000 to print it. So we have oh. stuff. But this is a magazine with um, writers from all different countries, Cambodia, Malaysia, war-torn countries, and we let them write their own story, and we paid them. What? And um, the cover is actually embossed with a um, certain ink. They, they hate us the printing because it's only been ever used on um, business cards, but it's actually – you can feel every pencil stroke of this artist on the cover. It's a raised ink, and we only did two of them. But the table of contents is like, I guess, every country that we that is in the issue instead of a table of contents. But check this out. There's this thing in every issue called Gorilla Recipes. So these are recipes that are actually from gorillas or revolutions. Oh, my God. Yeah, the first issue had a Black Panther drink they used to do called the Bad Motherfucker. Oh, my this Look, let, me my, let me take this jacket off. Yeah, I'm this, getting hot. I'm getting hot in a good way. This yo, is, every, this is, wait, hold on a second here. Let me see if I can find this. some good shit. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know we have this magazine because it's just it's on the site. Like, if you're a member, you can read them for free. But we also have the hard copies. But... I know one of them has guess the war guess the war criminal game where yeah so I love this. <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is a guess the war criminal. We give you some hints and then uh, you draw the lines, numbered lines, and you end up. With... <laughs> yeah, we did these like right like a year ago, and we we never been able to print another one because we didn't sell quite enough, but we're still kind of mulling it. But uh, the only reason I bring it up is we always thought about bringing the gorilla recipe thing to life, where you actually cook the recipes, like Castro's sandwich he made in the jungles. They're really simple recipes. We've eaten some of them, and uh, the idea was always you, we just thought you'd be amazing for a cooking show because you went to culinary school. You have that comforting. Like I watch cooking shows for comfort, but the cool part is like the history aspect. Like you could also yeah. tell a story with food, which is like incredible. And I think like um, what a better story to tell. So I feel like there's a there's a lot of projects we'd like to do with you, and I think. For us, what makes us most excited is thinking of Right Brain autonomously as its own collective and working with other collectives and creating something new. Like take the elements of Revolutionary Blackout Network and mash them like you're in a laboratory with the ethos of Right Brain and like what spits out of that. And like we would love to do a project with you. We'd love to do a project with the DPRK activists. We'd love to work with there's a group called the Primordial Freaks that we work with. I mean, it's just anybody, you know, like we 
we are really open-minded to just working with different kinds of people. We've reached out to Savvy before. We, 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 uh, yeah, there's so many people we admire in your world that we think we could team up with and do something really cool and bring audiences together. A lot of our audience is actually more the, fil the film cinema buffs, the art buffs, who also like revolutionary art, but maybe don't have that entry point of the day-to-day -day of politics. Let's bring them all together and make one community and, like, you know, it's kind of how we see it. That's how we're going to do it, bro. That's how it's going to be done. I... Yeah, I, I look. Bill Bradley says this sounds pretty cool. I like it a lot. Same here, Bill. Thank you. Same bro. here. I'll take a pretty cool any day, man. Pretty cool is good. Yeah, it, man. I, I mean, this is you're you're getting <laughs> look. If you guys have not subscribed to Right Brain, you guys need to do it. Thank you. Look, I already have an account. You guys need to subscribe to Right Brain. Because it's some, ah, oh, man, some good shit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, too. people always say, like, but it's hard because I have to hook my laptop up. You guys aren't on Roku. Well, let me tell you, we're not on Roku and we're not on Prime because you ain't going to be able to watch the DPRK stuff if we're on that shit. You got to follow codes and this and that. All you got to do is go on your phone, pick the video you want to watch, press the picture-in-picture -picture button in the video player, and you can blast it into your friend, your TV. It'll be blasted into your smart TV if you have – I mean, yeah. most smart TVs. You don't even have to use a Roku. Like, you can, you can, but, you know, you can just do AirPlay, and it plays pretty quick, and, like, you can take it on the go with you. And that way, as much as we'd love to have a Roku channel and people have offered a – you know, you can use my Roku, it's like – we don't need to be under any kind of violation. We, we refuse to be under any kind of violations. If that means we grow slow, then we grow slow. But um, people are like, but it'd be cool if you could scroll it in different channels. No, like, to be honest, the noise of Netflix, like, when I go on that shit, I'm bombarded and, like, trailers start without me clicking, like, ads and this and that. Fuck all that shit. Go on Right Brain. It's quiet. It's a sanctuary. It's peaceful. There's no ads. We're never going to start a trailer unless you click on it. I hate Netflix sending me to the next episode without my permission. Like, I, it's just... We just want to be a peaceful, quiet place. And when the election starts up, and I hope anyone watching is getting their info from JB, you better be watching all these shows during the election, staying up to date. Look at us as a place you can go where we're not going to cover the election. This is the place you go when you want to get away from that and still look at topics that are relevant because history is how we see the future. And so you have both. And, you know, we're not going to be on Roku anytime soon. Um, We talked about an app, but, like, we're fine with being this autonomous thing that, you know, we, you know, JB, like, there's like typers and swipers, man. That's what we see it as in the world. Swipers are people who go on Tinder, who go on things, just next, next, next. And that's get, I get it. I do it too. Zombified. And it's sort of like a painkiller. But we also have, we call typers where like, I look up a movie I really want to see and I'll pay for that shit. Those are the yeah. people that tend to get down with right brain. It's just a different audience where it's like, I'll look up a movie, I'll pay a filmmaker and I believe in it. And it's nothing wrong with either one. And there's even people that are both, but we're just meant to be a sanctuary to have your own truth. We don't want to know who you voted for. We don't know, you know, you don't need to tell us your gender if you don't want to. You don't need to tell us anything you want to know. You know, you don't need any walk of life, religious, non-religious. Maybe you have prejudice. We want you on the site because you might learn something. Like people who are uh, maybe conservatives, maybe you come in here and we don't tell you you have to be this or that. And you watch a couple of John Pilger films. You watch this and you say, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't need to be told I'm wrong. Maybe I need to watch art and, and, and the barrier of art should not exist. Anybody can use right brain TV. We do not ask you any questions. And the only time we ever revoked a membership one time was because we found out you weren't imperialist. We saw you saying shit pro war, pro imperialism. You weren't bending. And we messaged you and said, here's your money back. We don't need it. Fuck off. Fuck off. We don't want you on the site. We don't trust you on the site. And, 
your mind's not going to change. You're saying really hateful stuff, and uh, there's not enough content on the site to change your ways. And probably an op. Take your money and get get the fuck out of here. You know, like that's really the only time we did that. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that's something that I think is is, is deeply important because, uh, you know, we need people who are, you know, we need more of you, but we also need to escape in ways in which you can still get substance without um, <laughs> getting that imperialist shot and chaser. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I know, I know I'm going to get kicked out soon and I've ran it a lot. If I could just run off a handful of things before I go, unless you sure. want to stay, I mean, it's, I just don't want to well, overstay. I, I got RB in live. <laughs> yeah, you know, let me get Okay. So the right brain theater is the newest part of the site right now for the entire week. Memberships are going to be $25. That's less than the price of an eighth of weed for a year of content and unlimited access to reaching out to send us your work. <laughs> I love how you put it. And you can send us your work. That's the thing. Members can actually send their content to us and we've licensed and bought stuff from members. I mean, Netflix ain't going to buy your stuff. We will. If you want to book a screening for a live event, reach out to us. Uh, we're taking virtual screening slots right now. Um, we can tie it to a direct action. Um, if you want to have your ad played, short film played, we do $5 advertising starting at five bucks. You have a protest for a war rally, five bucks. I mean, sometimes we'll do war rally protests for free. Like we've done that or like an Assange rally. But if you have like any kind of cause or anything you want to, you know, go fund me, you know, five bucks, it's 10 bucks for a short film or music video. It's 15 bucks for a movie trailer because it's a movie trailer. Um, but, you know, uh, and the thing is, the last thing I'll say is phase phase five, uh, four is going to be amazing. We do a new monthly film that'll be up for 30 days and we have the virtual screenings and we have series, we have music, but the lineup, we have a film from Catalonia about a, a heroin addicted street fighter who meets a, a trans prostitute and they kind of come together. It's a really beautiful raw, like modern age taxi driver on shot in the streets of Catalonia, which is an autonomous part of Spain. We got Berlin bitch love about two teenage runaways in Berlin who are going to have a baby trying to survive. We've got Century of Smoke, which is about an opium addict in Laos. Um, we have a movie called CIA, which is a, me a queer Mexican street punk gang movie. We're going to be doing a live Q&A for that. Um, yeah, I mean, we got Zeria, Belgian, stop motion animation, Nightmare. I mean, there's just a lot. And uh, there's a lot of free stuff, too. If you have no money, go on the site. 40% of the content is free. It costs nothing to just, you know, a lot of the stuff is free, especially old stuff. And, you know, things that we repurpose, things that we find, things that we curate, things that we reach out and ask for permission on. There's tons of stuff you can read and look at without having a dollar in your pocket. Soviet women's cinema, free, uh, you know, curated, easy to find. It's really hard to jump into Soviet cinema without any idea what you're doing. So we make it easy for you. Um, but yeah, enough pleading my case. If you want to buy tickets to our virtual screenings, they're 3 to $5. If you're a member, you'll get into half the screenings. Half of them are going to be exclusive um, because we have to split tickets with the filmmaker. So uh, we can't do free. free. But yeah, I mean, the Yang Metal Rat screening is 3 bucks. we We're going to play my film. My first film ever shot about COVID in China the week it broke out on camcorder. Um, your POV, uh, seeing some of that unfold. I'm trying to get a good moderator. JB, if you if you end up interested, I'd love to have you as the moderator. We can work out something where you can get paid for your time. And I think you just make it a better event because who wants to just listen to me bounce questions to myself, you know? <laughs> oh, man, this is great. I appreciate you, man. And Thank this you. is, you know, uh, this is wonderful. I, and I just want to see the growth um, happen. And I hope you, you know, I, I hope there's an explosion of interest 
Um, and it's not necessarily just because it, you know, it help, you know, you guys, you know, make a living off of it, but I also want it because it opens more eyes and it opens more minds, you know, and part of that decolonization, because I remember, um, former RBM member, uh, Josana, she's always say decolonize your mind. Part of doing that is also some of the art you consume. And on Saturday, I had on Jesse Jett from the Indie News Network, and he is an artist. He's a, a musician, and he talks Great about- rapper, too. Great rapper, too. Yeah. And so I had him on to talk about his art, his art form. We were talking about the art form from the music side. And now you're talking about it from the film side. So I just love how these things come together. And so this is why people like you, people like Jesse, so many people are so important because revolution is a process, right? And things like, you know, building up the workers is a process so that we can come into mind and go, okay, this is what's wrong with the system. I'm not crazy. The system is crazy. And we're trying to actually add to some sanity into the world that's insane. So, no, it's true. The, the lunatics are, are running the asylum. The, the the last tidbit I'll leave you with is I always think it's interesting. A lot of these, like, some of them used to be left. They've become sort of like, I don't know. It's just, you always see like, I see like, I'm not like pigeonholing the MAGA people, but you always see like the taking the red pill. Instead of decolonize, their way of it is like, you know, taking whatever the blue pill or whatever, the matrix pill. What they don't even realize is the matrix is like one of the more homoerotic and actually is influenced by one of the most gay German directors ever. So there's a movie called World on a Wire, which Matrix is a total ripoff of that the makers have seen where it's it's a it's a similar concept, but they're wearing like the long leather and it's it's and all, most of the actors have them are gay. And it's just this very it's 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 in a good way. It's just like this homoerotic piece of queer cinema that's sci fi and uh they don't even yeah. realize they're quoting a movie that and was made by two by someone who's trans. It's just it, it mind blows. Yeah. It's just almost the like, for trans. Yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely mind blowing how, how paradoxical yeah. it is. But I think decolonize is much better than saying take the pill and pulling like a Hollywood trope. I think um, decolonizing your mind is, is probably the best way to put it, man. And uh, I do love I mean, I want to show you know, solidarity for me and the other owner, Mark, to uh revolutionary blackout network and all the incredible different little factions let's work together more like we don't have to be one group but we can be a coalition of all these different people yeah. and um i mean we'll be strong if we could just bring it all together and then the audience getting fired up and we want to see more people making movies who think they can't i mean the best filmmakers i met aren't people who went to film school like people that like worked in a factory and like picked up a camera i mean they have the story to tell they're where we get inspired we don't get inspired by spielberg we inspired by the guy striking the mallet at a steel factory like that that's where you get it from you know we're like the woman yeah. who's fighting to survive and raise three kids as a nurse or whatever like that's mm -hmm. inspiring a guy with yeah. a guy like spielberg going to film school that's not inspiring to me and so we need more uh working class people to also tell their story using cinema. Don't have us tell it. You tell it, let us play it, you know? But anyway, thank you for having me, man. And solidarity yeah. to you and everybody else. Thank you so very much. And as a side note, I'm also very into photography and my boyfriend's also into photography too. So that's another art form that I would like to see more of from anti-imperialists too as well. Me too. So, 
picture yeah. can tell a thousand words. If you ever do any photos, I'd love to see them. Cool, cool beans. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, man. And I will see you. Uh, well, stick around in the background, and and we'll talk. So, all right, take care. All right, everybody. So that was a great conversation. I am over the moon on that one. Uh, Justice says, can JB and Right Brain members set up a watch party? We should do one for Rome's film. They already did uh, a couple so far. Um, I'm not opposed to it, though. You know, we can talk about it. So thank you so much. So everybody is loving uh, all the information. Uh Let's see, Quantum Alchemist says, Moderator A, well, for that matter, I am looking for a long time for something I can do with my limited health that can actually make sense for me. I actually ended up with plus from my work also. And not ended up plus minus zero on a minimum wage. Well, not quite minimum wage, and you end up with minus actually, unless you're lucky enough to walk to work, low utility costs, etc. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, doing the best you can with what you got. Um, Bill Bradley says organizing poor people is not inherently the same as organizing workers. From Marcus, organizing workers means organizing them as workers, so unionizing them. Yeah, thank you so very much. All right, and let me just check the Rockfin just to make sure. All right. We are good there. So uh, I'm going to head out. But I, you know, just if you guys have not, did you like the stream? Did you did you like our conversations that I had today? I hope you did. And thank you very much. And also, if you guys have not subscribed, then please make sure to click that little red box and turn it gray. Make sure to subscribe as well. So thank you so very much. Also, thank you once again to the patrons on Patreon, Coffee, as well as members. Yes, I do have memberships. Thank you so much to all of you for your contributions. For without you guys, I would not be able to be doing this. This is deeply important and means the, you know, the most to me. And I thank you from the top and bottom of my heart. Now, uh, just to let you guys know, if you guys would like to get email notifications, make sure to go to my Substack at jb5.substack.com. You guys can also go there. Um, I also the. Chapter 10 of Asada Shakur's autobiography is already out. So that's already out. And I'll be getting into the book by Dr. Devon Price, Laziness Does Not Exist. And I can't wait to get into that. Uh, and I'll get into that shortly uh, to finish up chapter one. So I want to get into that. But thank you so very much to all of you. Uh, look, like I always say, water your plants, water yourselves, leave the world better than you found it. Smoke them if you got them, drink them if you got them. If you don't got them, then look, watch something funny or watch something deep on Right Brain TV because that's revolutionary. Thank you to Kevin Rocca from Right Brain TV and kept and thank you so much to Zeno April for coming on and discussing Dutch elections. I cannot wait to have you back, guys, both back on to talk more about these various subjects because we all need to do it. Also, mwah, forehead kisses to every single one of you. I know that you're watching and you're waiting for your forehead kisses. Well, don't worry. JB got you, baby. Don't need to be greedy. I got enough to feed the needy. Ah!